When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Michael, arg. <laughs> we have to explain why we're doing this. Show me the booty. <laughs> I don't know why he sounded like Mr. Krabs there, but. But you have heard of me. So, uh, yeah, we are not in street clothes. Yeah, so if you're not watching on YouTube... Pause it right now. Pause Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting our podcasts. Pause that right now and go to YouTube and just watch. Even if you don't watch the whole thing, just watch like the first five seconds of it. Just so you can see what we're doing. Shiver me timber. So uh, I parked my boat in the arbor. So now we're here and I'm excited to try drinking this uh, concoction that we have in the glass. So... Uh, yeah, it's definitely not water. No, it is not. And it's definitely not whiskey either. So, uh, everybody's minds are just wondering, even though I we mean, included it in on the description. So that they can and find out. we're, uh, we're dressed as pirates. So if yeah. you don't know what a pirate drinks, then shame on you. Yeah. Then you can just pause the podcast and just don't come back. I mean, we need them to come back. So <laughs> please come back. Also, uh, if you're already subscribed, unsubscribe, then resubscribe to bring us back to the top of the algorithm. To help us out so we can grow. See, that gives me, like, heartache, though. Because then I see the drop, the number drop, and I'm like, ah, what did we Arr, What did we do? Arr. Oh, God, just stop. <laughs> it's fine. Most people unsubscribe and then never come back because they literally hate us. That's so what I'm saying. That's, so it is I, what it is. I can't decipher which one's which. Our top-tier fans know that they can just hit unsubscribe, then subscribe in less than one second. So, not a huge deal. But anyways, yes, we are enjoying... Cask and Cruise rum, and this is a specialty rum. Yes, it's called Authentico Nativo. And it's how old? 20 years. This so is, almost as old as us. Yeah, so this is a pretty pretty big deal. Yeah. But before we get into that, Michael, how was your week? Did you have a good week? What did you do? What did I do? What did I do? Arr. Uh, I think I did so much that... I'm forgetting what I did. We golfed. We sure did. It was terrible uh, on yeah. my part. Was but, it though? I mean, it was, I would rate it a 62 out of 100. All right. So define your bad day at golf. Okay. So it was not a bad day, but I would say a bad round of golf for me is just eight, eight strokes per hole. That's a bad day. Yeah, that's a bad day. That's a bad that's, day. But it's and still better than the best day at work. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I would say that that is my, why am I here? Do I really want to golf? Should I keep golfing? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that bad. I did have some solid drives. You witnessed them, so that was good. You finally got to witness a few consistent good drives for me. And then my my favorite club. That's seven iron. That's seven iron. That, I mean, that, that's your reliable club. So, And I can smack it with that yeah, thing. But the thing is, is that we have to get you dialed in, bro. We got to get you so your seven iron is different from your six iron. Because right now, all of them are the same. So we got to keep working on that. But <laughs> it's going to just get better and better. And then Mike, the problem with that is that then your worst days or your bad games are going to get, like, you're going to consider them a bad game even if you're shooting sixes on every hole. 
Yeah. Do you really want to put that stress on you? Here's the thing. Mike Kelly goes out with four clubs. A driver, a seven iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter. You have 10 other clubs in your bag. You just choose not to use them. That's all. I mean, it's not a bad tactic. If you're if you're consistent with the clubs that you have, who that's, cares? That's all Mike Kelly needs when he goes golfing. Yeah. So I went golfing today, and the course that I played today, you could play with like those clubs because it was such a strategic course to where you had to know what shot you wanted to play in order to like play the course. So you can't just take the driver out on every hole because you'll be in the water or a sand trap or something along those lines or into the woods because it's a sharp dog leg. It was a very difficult course, but it was very fun. That's why I golf with you because I would just – how far to the hole? You're like, oh, it's, it's 305. It's like, well, we're driving, boys. Yeah, except it's, like, it's no. 100 to the corner and then another 200 to the left. Yeah. So you can't drive that. So I'm learning. Yeah. But, but that's cool. So what else did you do? You, you went golfing. You uh, worked, which is exciting. Yeah, but – Other than that, nothing. Uh, I had a date night with Colleen. Mm-hmm. Took the wife out, went out to eat. Where'd you go? We went to Cafe Aroma, and then he, now it's all coming back to me. We went to Cafe Aroma on Bryant. It's her favorite restaurant in all of Buffalo and Western New York. So we went there, uh, had a nice dinner. It was light, so we did three different small plates, and she had a Negroni, and we went home. So that was good. And then uh, the next morning, we woke up, and I helped my buddy with a with a car. So... He knows someone who's fixing up a totaled 2017 cruise. We grabbed a trailer, uh, swung over to the house, picked up the car, and then towed it to East Aurora to the collision shop. And then we went to his buddy's house where he borrowed his trailer, mm-hmm. dropped the trailer off. We had a drink. And then we went to 189 for brunch. So that was amazing because nice. I'm obsessed with 189. Sat outside uh, right by their natural gas fire pit. So we we're nice and warm. And... Obviously, we had multiple flamed old fashions. We had their breakfast flatbread. You just can't beat one eight nine. No, it's such a good restaurant. Yeah, and then uh, obviously a basket of bacon, caramelized. And Ron then, Swanson would be proud. Of course, I'm pretty sure he wore like this exact costume for all of the Halloween parties. Just saying. And then after one eight nine, we shot back to his buddy's house, had a fire, hung outside, and then after that, we went back to his place, and then. So we left his drawer at his buddy's house, and then I went to my other buddy. Oh, um, okay. Because it's his friend. Mm-hmm. So then I went to his house, and then we had a fire, cigar, uh, got hungry again, so then we ate again, and then went home, fell asleep. So I didn't watch any football at all. Um, I was all waiting weekend? till Monday. Yeah, I just waited till last night. So I have no clue what's going on in the NFL, basically. I heard Tua took over in Miami as yep. a starter, uh, and then current events took over because we have a lot of stuff going on at work and hearing Cuomo's latest announcements directly impacted all that. So that kind of occupied my time. And then now we're here. So Colleen meal prep for the week. So I'm super excited. She made spaghetti nice. squash. Have Ooh, you had that before? Yeah, spaghetti squash is mad good. You make that with some good like lean turkey meatballs or just regular ground beef. Dude, it's fantastic. And it's such a healthy meal. Yeah. You can destroy it as much as you want. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the lunch for the week is that. But outside of all of that, uh, we'll, what about you? We'll hammer your uh, your week. Yeah, so we started watching The Haunting of Bly Manor. You don't like scary stuff. At no, all. so just get through so, this. Yeah, I'm... you're just going to tune this all out. So yep. Haunting of Bly Manor, for everybody that is also a horror show fan, a horror show fan, um, they it is the sequel to Haunting so not a of Hill House. Or a fan, correct. Okay. I mean, they could be them too, but <laughs> it's the sequel to Haunting of Hill House, and it's pretty good so far. I mean, I think that you would actually like it because it's not that scary and it's a good storyline. Moving on, what do you look for in shows? Do you care about the storyline or do you just care? Like, what is it a is... horror film? Yeah, is it a horror show? That's what I look for. If the answer is yes to those two questions, then I just don't watch it. That's that's what I look for. I love documentaries. I love dramas. I love rom-coms, as the kids say. But, but I it's don't... not, like, scary, though. So I think that you would like it. But anyway, so we're there's nine episodes, and we broke it out. Uh, Gina and uh, my friend, Jamie and Jill, we go over to their house, and it's nine episodes, so we broke it out to three nights. The first three, obviously, math, because three nights of three episodes is perfect. 
So we went over there, we watched the first three, and then the next week we went over and watched the second three. And now this coming weekend we're going to final uh, watch the finale of it. And I'm I'm excited. It started ramping up at the end on like the sixth episode, and uh, Mike's yawning. So he's clearly done with this conversation. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be really good. I'm yawning because I'm smoked. But, anyways, the – yeah, I – not for me. And when you said ramping up, I just immediately started thinking about demons and things crawling oh, out of the TV. I mean, the whole th- – it's called the haunting of, which means it's all ghosts. It's all spirits. It's all people that have haunted their past and are now coming back. But it's weird. So, like, if anybody watched it already in our comments, let us know what you think about it because I'm kind of, like – Interested to see how it ends because as of right now, I think that there's too much of a story behind it for it to be scary. Let me know if that makes sense in the comments below because the first se- uh, season or whatever you want to call it, uh, they're not really connected at all, but they have the same character. It's kind of like an American horror story where the same people play, but they're different people, whatever. I don't like that part. Anyway, so like the first season of it was scary because there was all these ghosts. Nobody knew what these ghosts were until the end. It was just like this big reveal at the end. Whereas now we know who all the ghosts are, so I'm not scared of them. I don't know. Again, let me know in the comments below if I'm stupid or if it's uh, if you're feeling the same way. The only or comment, both. I mean, I don't know. The only comment we're gonna get is "loved it." Yeah, loved it. Hey, subscribe to my SoundCloud. It's like who uses SoundCloud anymore? <laughs> Check out these sick beats. It's like oh, rather not, rather not. Subscribe to me SoundCloud. <laughs> so. <laughs> So we have a whopping four minutes before the first beep and kind of really excited for this. So should we dive into the cocktail section or the whisker view before we dive into the secondary meat and potatoes part of the episode? We sure can. This is going to be a short section. This is going to be a short episode. No, it's not. Yeah, well. We have so many things to talk about. All right, yeah, so let's dive into, or you know what, let's just wait until the beep goes, and then the beep will be our transition. Transition. All right. That's not very piratey. So, speaking Who of transition. Who are your pirate role models? Johnny Depp. So, <laughs> in regards to transitions, when do we transition from outside golf game to inside golf game? Uh, as soon as it is not is freezing outside. So when we played, when you and I played, <laughs> we, we teed off we teed at thirty four <laughs> degrees. There was a frost delay, and we still were outside. When do we go inside? That was so dumb of us. I don't know why we played that day, but it ended up being a good day. So and yes, that was cold at first, and then my my middle finger and my ring finger were tingling the entire day when we played. But this morning, all day they were tingling. This morning I went out and it was still raining. When I teed off and the yeah, guy it looked at me all day. Yeah. So I had a 824 tea time this morning, which I'm realizing that as we transition into the fall and winter weathers, I probably shouldn't book the earliest tea time because it's still not laid out by then. So I pull into the parking lot. There's nobody else there. Um, I book two slots, obviously, because I don't want to be paired up with a threesome or a foursome. I can't pay, be paired up with a foursome. But anyway, so if you're looking at a card, and you see that there's two people already playing, you might not want to play with them. So that's why I put down that I have two players. And then when I get there, I'm like, ah, my buddy backed out. He didn't want to come in the rain. But anyway, so I get there, and parking lot is empty. There's one car, and it's the worker. So I walk up to the the um, the window. This is my first time playing this course, so I had no idea where I was going. And the dude comes running out, and he's like, oh, hey. Like, I was the first person he's seen all morning. And he's like, yeah, go on out whenever you can. I mean, it, it's going to be fine. This is the layout of the course. And uh, at the end of it, I told him, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he looked at me and he's like, what would you like about it? And I'm like, because I liked it was strategic and you couldn't just pull out your drive on every hole. And then this dude, no joke, goes, oh, yeah, you can uh, you can pull it out on one, three, four, seven. And he just went through the whole entire course. And I'm like, dude, like I, it was such a long pause that I was even like, all right, yeah, so it was fun. He's like, 10. I'm like, Jesus, can we just like hurry this process up? I don't need your recollection of the entire course. And probably 18 too. I'm like, all right, whatever. But anyway, so back to the original point, we transitioned to indoor simulator golf basically now. <laughs> because it's not fun to go outside anymore. <laughs> I mean, this weekend is supposed to be good. If we're getting consistent weather that's in like the 40s, I'll go inside. But if it's still 50, I'll go out. Like this morning, I wasn't cold. It was just wet. 
Because you want to do indoor real bad. I've never done it. I've never played 18 indoors. So I just want to have my station, you know, Mm -hmm. have my bag, and I don't have to walk anywhere. I don't have to fumble in my, I don't have to fumble at the back of the cart, you know. You just grab it, swing, and or then run laugh and at pick myself. up your ball. Yeah. yeah, go run and pick up my ball. It's really, I... really easy to play ready golf when you're inside because, like, oh, my ball's right there. I'll grab it real quick. Yeah, we'll tee it up again. Yeah, but yeah, and then you can do mulligans. You can redo shots. You can do all that good stuff. You got to teach me, man. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll we should record that. So we wanted to record our outdoor experiences, but realized one, we're not videographers by any stretch of the means. <laughs> And two, we suck. So it wouldn't be very easy for us to do it. Beep. Beep. Mm, It's not bad. Not bad on the nose. It's not bad. Oh, uh, you can feel it going all the way down. Putting hair on my chest, more lettuce. Arr. Oh my god, you make me nauseous. <laughs> this is oily. Yeah. All right, so let's let's get into it then. So we talked oh. about it. We have uh, th- this came in a pretty cool box or um, cylinder, if you will. But anyway, so this is Authentico Nativo aged rum, special reserve, twenty years old. Um, we got it from Mary from Cask and Crew. So thank you, Mary. I, I'm not even sure if Cask and Crew makes it or if they just sell it. Because if you go back to what they do from a whiskey standpoint, they don't make anything there. They blend it. So they're similar to a three chord where they take barrels from different facilities, one in Canada, with it, which is their rye, and one in Indiana. We haven't talked about them in a while. Super long time. Yeah. So, so what does what does the container say about this? So, the essence of Panama Authentico Nativo: the land doesn't belong to you; you belong to the land. Authentico Nativo is rooted in Panama, and the land is responsible for its essence. Our craftsmanship uses the most exclusive Caribbean rums, aged in bourbon barrels for at least twenty years, to deliver exceptional quality. Uh, www.nativorum.com. This is for sample use only, not for resale. So again, Mary, thank you very much for letting us have this. Uh, I, I'm very excited. But mo- normally, you don't drink rum neat. I don't know if I ever drank rum neat. But here we are. What type of rum would have you like had rum before? To where you know what it is. Do we really want to get into this? Yes. Okay. I went to a buddy's bachelor party and had eleven rum and cokes and threw up all over Clinton Street. <laughs> Then I threw up all over the drive through McDonald's lane. Then I threw up all over my front lawn. And then I fell asleep after having two ibuprofens, a Gatorade, and two double cheeseburgers. Had a panic attack. Cried myself to sleep at night after removing all of my clothes. Waking up my girlfriend at the time, now wife, before she went to work for an extremely busy bridal show day. Where she had to work like 15 hours. So was this like last week or something? And that was the last time I had rum. Is this giving you like flashbacks? No. 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 Are you like that at all or no? No. So what type of rum did you have in that rum and coke? Do you remember? Well, like bar shelf, whatever they couldn't tell you. Was it at a bar? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got obliterated. (laughs) And then the next morning I woke up (laughs) and then walked my happy ass nine miles to get my car and it was 83 degrees outside, and when I got into my car, I almost threw up again because I smelled myself. So, I don't drink rum. Some people don't drink tequila. Some people don't drink bourbon. I don't drink rum. Um, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. The only rum that I've ever... I, I'm not a big rum person either, so... But what's interesting about this, what I just read at the end of it, is that this is aged in bourbon barrels for 20 years. So you can kind of pick up some of that flavor profile. I also like the very first sentence you said about it, where you don't live off the land, the land lives off. The land doesn't belong to you, you belong to the land. Yeah, that makes me happy. Yeah, but anyway, so Tom is a huge, like, I shouldn't say huge, because that makes him sound like an alcoholic, even though he kind of is, but no, I'm just kidding. He, uh, so he likes rum, and we would have, he would come over to my house 
during football season back when I was single and just living on my own, he would come over and we would have, um, we would call it something that I'm not going to repeat right now, but we would make food in the kitchen and it was extremely unhealthy food, which probably led to my heart attacks. But, uh, we can talk more about that if you want, cause I know it was such a riveting conversation. Last week. <laughs> so we, uh, <laughs> Um, he would come over and we would make like disgusting food. And I'm talking like grilled cheese with inside is stuffed banana peppers and fried or and bacon, which was fantastic. And then we would also make another form of grilled cheese, which we made mozzarella sticks. Like we handmade mozzarella sticks and put them inside the grilled cheese with bacon, with jalapenos. And then it was just whatever we can think of that was unhealthy. That's what we did. But anyway, so yeah, when how, he would, how was your acid reflex? Uh, it's not bad. So my acid reflex isn't. It gets triggered for sauces and tomato bases, but for fried foods, it doesn't get triggered. No heartburn. Triggered. No. Uh, no heartburn. <laughs> no nothing. But uh, <laughs> the it's mostly for tomato bases, like sauces, ketchups, and and so on. But whiskey, so everything pizza. else, it doesn't. Yeah. But pizza is an anomaly. I don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll burn a hole through my stomach before I ever stop eating pizza. But anyway, so he would come over and he would bring over a bottle of Kraken, which Kraken spiced rum, and we would mix that with apple cider or Dr. Pepper, and those were our two mixers. And we would slam them. It was it was quite fun. Uh, hopefully Nicole's not listening. Nicole, I love you. That's Tom's wife. But anyway, so we would we would just drink that and watch football, and then he would fall asleep and take his socks off because that's what he would do every single time. So that's the only rum that I w- I've ever really drank that I know of. I'm sure that I've had well rum, but I don't know what it was. So I don't. Re- we don't really have too much to compare this to, I guess. Well, literally, because nothing. we're not rum people. But what we're going to do is try to compare it with whiskey. But we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. All right. So should we write it? Yeah. Well, label let's do label the, let's do the cocktail section first. Okay, cocktail section first. Drop the beef for the cocktail section. Cocktails. I'm about to go home, and I won't even change. I'll literally drive home in this costume and just stare at someone in a red light. So you text me that you're here, and I just walked out my driveway all suited up, and I'm like, hello, Michael. Like, nothing's wrong. My neighbors probably think that I'm mentally ill but anyway yeah michael what's your cocktail my cocktail is the mango perfecto no Ingr- it's not that's, that's the wrong one remember you sent me two i know <laughs> you're supposed Dude, to I'm so mad at you <laughs> we're new at this it's fun my cocktail is the manhattan there you go. so it's one and a half ounces of this 20 year old rum 0.3 ounces of dry vermouth 0.6 of red vermouth, one drop of pineapple essence, and a dash of angostria bitters. You stir ingredients with a nice ball, and then strain it into a chilled cocktail glass, garnished with a twist of orange zest. Nice. What's your cocktail? Mine is called the Negroni Latino. The ingredients are 30 milliliters. I don't know why we're switching to milliliters from ounces, but 30 milliliters of authentic nativo rum, 20-year. 25 milliliters of Amaro liqueur, 25 milliliters of Campari, and then 5 milliliters of coffee liqueur. And then from there, you combine the Nativo Rum 20 years, Amaro Montenegro, Campari, and Mr. Black coffee liqueur, uh, and orange zest in a mixing glass with large ice. Stir vigorously and strain into an old-fashioned glass over one large ice cube. Garnish with an orange zest twist or a maraschino cherry. And that is your Negroni Latino. Solid. Yes, sir. All right. Want to rate this? Label branding. This is actually pretty cool because they got the crest of the company on top of the cork. It's nice and fancy with the gold flakes. Mm-hmm. It tells you it's 20 years old. It's 80 proof, so I can slam it and not be too crazy. A drum special reserve. Authentico Nativo, which is trademarked, by the way, in case anyone didn't know. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Let's see. Is that what the R means? Yeah. I thought trademark was TM. 
color code said documents TM. It is. But then what is the R- copyright? I think that's a C. Yeah, what's the R for? Reserve? Rum. R. <laughs> How do we not know all this corporate language? We're supposed to know what all the corporate language. The small R mean? It just, the first result was what does a small intestine do? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> What does a small R in a circle mean? The small the R in a circle comes from U.S. law and indicates that a trademark is registered with the U.S. Trademark Office, USPTO. Use of the R symbol confirms the mark's full trademark protection. Then what the hell is a TM? Is that a verbal trademark? In case anyone else is wondering, too, the small intestine is used to pull and extract nutrients from the food that you digest <laughs> with the use of a villi. Go ahead, Derek. Okay, so the trademark symbol, subscript or superscript TM is used to indicate that the preceding mark is a trademark while the R in a circle indicates a registered trademark. So it's like a step above. Yeah. So authentic or nativo is untouchable. Basically. If you try to trademark this, you're going to get sued so hard. Sued. Sued for all the money. Uh, what I also like about this is it comes in a cool cylinder. I agree, I agree. Uh, it just adds something to it. I don't know. I really I really like when things come with packaging. Yeah, that's why you love scotch. Scotch is scotch, scotch. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. All right, so, so I'm going to go A++. A++. I'll write like this it. one down as well. I agree, I agree, I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree. Nose. There is a strong ethanol for me today. So I'm picking up a lot of that. Doesn't mean it's a good or a bad thing. It's just, it is what it is. I'm picking up a little toffee or chocolate. Are you really? Yeah. What do we say? A plus plus? Or coffee? Yeah, A plus plus. Or coffee? Yeah. What the hell kind of coffee are you drinking? Black coffee, like the real main coffee. Not any of that freaking sugar and sweet and everything nice. What? <laughs> You're a disaster. <laughs> You're not picking any of that up? I'm picking like strong hints of toffee. Oh, I thought you said, wait, toffee or coffee? Because I'm picking up like a, um, almost a little bit of like a walnut and then kind of like a toffee with a T, but not a coffee with a C. You're really getting coffee? A little bit. No, I'm picking up ethanol, and I'm picking up a, a little bit of a like a, a walnut hint. That's it. That's about it. Probably way off, but that's okay. Playoff. Playoffs. <laughs> We're one game at a time, week to week. I had no. Okay, so I'm googling way too and the, much today. And there's some there's some uh, caramel. Or caramel, depending if you're odd. <laughs> but from a rating standpoint, I'm going to give it an A. Yeah, I'm getting, I think toffee is number one for me. Toffee? Yeah. Okay, yep. I agree, I agree, I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree. Initial Why taste. do they make those so close together? I mean, you bring one letter out and it's coffee. And you literally blocked off both of my ears with these muffs, even though I'm supposed to hear you through them. Either way. I'm pretty sure I actually did say coffee, though. That's why I asked you, how do you drink it? And then he said black. You literally acknowledged Oop. it. <laughs> You're the literal worst. <laughs> Gosh. All right. So anyway. Initial taste. Caramel. Or caramel. Sorry. If you And that's strong up front, yeah. too. Like it... That actually blasts your mouth. In like a little... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I'm in trouble. <laughs> fine. We're never going to get subsidized. Or Subs- mo- monetized. <laughs> There's the first micism. We're never going to break off into smaller entities ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's what subsidized means. All right. So anyway. Uh... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know why people listen. <laughs> I don't either. They're probably just sitting there. That wasn't funny. Why are you laughing? With zero emotion watching on their TV screen. Or their phone. I hope our mega fans at least get a chuckle out of it. Yeah. 
What are you doing? My microphone thing is broken. (laughs) (laughs) Hello? Alright, initial taste. Caramel. Toffee. Also, I, I found something out. There are, I believe I still have the text. Because I don't want to, I don't want to butcher it. I definitely don't have the text anymore, so that sucks. Nailed Unless it. I, oh, I did send it to you. Hold on. Remember when I told you about All right, well, breathing versus tasting? Correct. That's important for the initial taste. Anyways, go ahead. What, what was your point? What were you going to say? I was going to say, we're still on the Wednesday rum review, so we should keep it abbreviated. Oh yeah, I'm a disaster. No, it's fine. We already had a thousand uh, like spinoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Uh, so there's five taste sensors in your mouth, but 21 in your nasal cavity. That's why people naturally smell food before they bite into it if they're hesitant on if they're going to like it or not. And then that's why there's a nosing aspect in regards to whiskey, wine, even wine, and then uh, food and now rum. So that's a thing. Your nose tells you just as much about some things taste as much as your mouth does so now you know what that mouth do (laughs) (laughs) let me know what that mouth do so my uh things falling down so caramel toffee and what else are you getting in the initial taste because that's what i'm picking up and then for a rating i'll note it down kind of like a little wood sugar it is sugary but i think that's just because it's rum well and it's also been in a bourbon barrel for 20 years so you would expect to have some of that wood sugars come through too Wood sugar. For a rating, I'm going to go A++. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy this initial taste. I agree, I agree, I agree. Ending I agree, note. I agree, I agree. Ending note. You get, you do get kind of like the char aspect um, from the bourbon, but I'm not, I'm not here to say that that's literally all you pick up on the any note or that's all it is. It is oily. Mm-hmm. Especially for a rum. I don't know if that's because of the aging process or not. I also don't know how long rums are typically aged for. Yeah, I have no idea. Because I'm not a, <clears throat> um, an aficionado. But, yeah, this... What's neat about this is that it will make a great cocktail. And it also can be consumed neat. Which does speak a lot to the product of what it is, because most rums are extremely off-putting if you're having it neat. So, to incorporate this into your inventory and to have it on your shelf, it's not a bad buy at all. Because you can do a lot with this, just like any other rum. But, typically... There's only one other rum that you can have neat, and it's like from Jamaica, right? Where it's an import. You you really can. It's not even an import. You basically can't buy it unless you're there, and then you bring it home. So, I'm excited that this is something that is in Rochester. Uh, you can pick it up and experience it because it's it's worth the try. It if you want if you want to get into bourbon and you're a rum fan. I would pick up this because you're getting a ton of flavor profiles that are similar to bourbon. Yeah, you're picking up like the the oils and the caramel and some somewhat of a honey blend with the caramel. Like it's just not. All right. So any any rating? And, what did we get? Or the uh, ending note rating? We didn't rate it yet. <laughs> right, We're so trying to figure out the tasting notes for the ending note. A plus. I'm gonna go A plus. Yeah. And just like a wood, like a sugar char. And a little bit of what? Like a caramel honey? I'm going to go honey, char. Honey in a char. And then for final rating. All right, ready? Give me that countdown. Three, two, one. 92. 90. 91. Nice. Final rating, 91. So, on their site, and this is how not familiar you and I are with rum tasting notes, as well as just our lack of understanding of everything. So, anyway, this is the um, flavor nose, like the nose profile and the flavor profile that we're supposed to get with this. On the nose, it's supposed to be lively, 
toasted aromas of dark roasted nuts, which I think that we kind of got to in a roundabout way. That's what we were tasting. But then caramelized peaches and bananas. Not getting that at all. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. A banana? Nah. And I had a banana this morning. I'm not picking that up at all. I don't even know what a caramelized peach or banana would smell like. Or taste like. Well, it's in the nose, so. Nothing. I, no, no idea. All right, and then the flavor profile is an oak, spice, and minerals, whole nuts, toasted cedar, and oak. I think, yeah, when we were talking about char, they're talking about toast. Yeah. So, whatever. Throw some butter on it and eat it, you know what I mean? (laughs) And then imbibe, not sure what that means, but I-M-B-I-B, you ever heard of it? Are you serious? (laughs) Anyway, imbibe says... I would guess that that probably means, like, the way to enjoy it. It says, sipped neat on the rocks, one to two splashes of water with a cigar. So those are the two, diff- the four different types of ways oh, wow. that you should enjoy this. No kidding. So it's not mixed. doesn't say ni- mixed at all in here. Hmm. So. Which probably makes sense why their typical bourbon cocktails on their website for this rum. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, this does taste a lot like a bourbon. This yeah. is very similar to what... You would get with a bourbon probably because it was sitting in a barrel for 20 years i mean that has a lot to do with it yeah this is good yeah this and is i good. mean and it's a lower proof it's only 80 proof yeah and rum is just sugar like right like there's not different it's not like they're mixing it with agave or something like tequila which you could still have a taste of like that but this already has the makeup of something that can be made into made it taste like a whiskey so I think it's pretty good. I mean, a 91, honestly, that was higher than I thought we were going to give it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Now I'm trying to see if I can smell peaches. Like we're in holes. <laughs> want to give yourself a little more? We got a whole other topic to discuss. I'll get there. You want to jump into it? Yeah. Let's switch the TV screen. All right, all right, all right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are switching into the History of Buffalo segment where Mike and Derek of the Buffalo Happy Hour podcast dive in to what made up the city of Buffalo to this point. So this is the first segment. So we have to go back in time to the early 1600s and reference the way of life prior to the War of 1650. So... Mike, what's the War of 1650? You're probably asking yourself. We'll, we don't know. We'll dive into it. But let's talk about Buffalo, New York, a.k.a. Western New York, a.k.a. the Frozen Tundra, a.k.a. Bill's Mafia Land. You can't say that anymore. It's trademarked. Okay, so is that an R or is that a TM? We'll That's ask. my question. <laughs> we'll ask. So when were pirates around? They're still around. Okay, but when were the... Like when was the like their glory years? You know, like when were they really throwing it around? We should probably ask the captain that the Navy SEALs saved. Uh, I'm the captain now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't laugh when because were, they literally got smoked by two Navy SEAL snipers. Yeah, but no. when were pirates around? Pirates. They're gonna be like present day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the Somalian pirates are an actual threat. An era of piracy in the is that like downloading something illegally uh in the caribbean began caribbean or caribbean i say caribbean okay uh began in the 1500s and phased out in the 1830s after the navies of the nation of western europe and north america were colonies and the caribbean began combating pirates the period during which pirates most successful was during the 1660s and 1730s so there we go it transitions not so well at today's topic, but it, it transitions nonetheless. All right, so so the history of going way back. Yes, so there was a there were different groups of Native Americans that occupied land before the Iroquois, like nation, took everything over. So the original people for where we are, which is Buffalo, were the Erie people. And they were the Native Americans who lived on the south shore of Lake Erie, which is now Buffalo, as well as northwestern PA and northern Ohio before 1658. So they were a Iroquoian group that 
tragically had their nation dis, uh, decimated in the mid-17th century by five prolonged years of warfare with the powerful Iroquois after they helped the Huron and Beaver Wars for control of the fur trade, which a lot of people know that fur trading was huge in our region, especially with the French and um, what is now Canada. Mm-hmm. So their villages were burned as a lesson to those who dared oppose the Iroquois. In the burning, the Erie people lost their corn storage, which added to the overall loss of life because they had no food to survive winter. If you were to fight or trade fur, what would you want? Like, what would be your number one fur? Like, if we had a bracket, March Madness bracket style, what fur would you want at the end of it? The most insulating fur from the heaviest animals. Because we're in Western New York. So I wouldn't want, like, a lot of beaver furs. I would want, like, bear or moose or some animal like that. Yeah. It's cold, man. I mean, what what what's their But, attire? like, the, the biggest you know thing I mean? was beaver war. Like, it was all about beaver fur. Yeah. So why do you think that they wanted beaver fur so bad up in a place that gets down to, like, negative 10 during the winter? I think a lot of it was because they had bison, but because this was before sport hunting essentially eradicated the bison population. So Buffalo were just roaming all over the place. Um, but maybe it was because it was a, it was a hot ticket item. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Um, however, the, the attacks drove the group to immigrate which the Iroquois League was known for adopting captives and refugees into the tribes. So essentially, the Iroquois had different; they had a different business model per se. Where if there was a threat to their their like nation, they would essentially attack you, win because they outnumbered and outarmed you, mm-hmm. and then they would absorb whoever was left, whoever survived. They would just absorb, and then they would become Iroquois. Uh, there would become Iroquois Indians at that point. That's how that's how it worked. How old were you when you realized that most of everything in the area was r- related back to Native Americans? Like, all the names of everything. Uh, it was, did that ever click for you? Yeah, it did. Okay. And it was, uh, but it was because I had a teacher who specifically taught us that. Like, it wasn't because it randomly just became a thing in my head. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was middle school or late elementary school. But it was only because that was physically taught. Yeah. What about you? Like yesterday? Yeah. Basically, when you were writing down all these notes, I was like, no way. Like, Iroquois, like where I went to high school was actually, no, obviously I knew that. But, uh, I mean, it was probably during the same time. But it's crazy to see, even though we knew this going into, like, life, basically in middle school, how as you continue learning even more, it all relates back to the Native American tribes in the area. So if you look at our roads, like Seneca Street goes from East Aurora all the way into Lackawanna, mm-hmm. and it becomes Ridge, and Ridge goes into Lackawanna. Then you have Transit. Which but even like Lackawanna, like, that's a tribe name, isn't it? Lackawanna, Cheektowaga, Seneca. Everything's based on Native Americans. Right, yeah. which is cr- – and that is kind of what I was getting at where – I didn't know how – I did know how deep it went, but even, like, understanding even more, it's just like, Jesus, everything is. Well, that's that's my point. Yeah. So if you look at Transit Road, if you look at Seneca Street, those were – they. it used to be a trail, and the Native Americans used the trail because it was the most direct route with the train and the easiest path of least – it was, the, it was the, the path of least resistance from point A to point B. When the white man showed up and just took it all over, we just – paved it and now they're roads Mm -hmm. but they were all trails and that was most commonly used by everybody before when europeans got here in conquistadors and everything else that's so crazy to think about 100 percent. i want to see if we can find like contact a historian in buffalo to see if we can find pictures or something yeah obviously pictures wouldn't be around the history museum right in buffalo but that'd be so cool to see Mm -hmm. how all the trails are now roads I mean, obviously, there was no picture. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it, it has to be a superimposed picture or a sketch or something that showed it all. Right. But it, it would, that'd be really sweet to see. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. We mentioned that. Uh, ways of life. The raccoon tails were worn on clothing, which gave the name Chat 
which is French for cat, fluent. Chat. Or long tail. Chat. Yeah, that. Or long tail. Uh, they lived in long houses in villages enclosed in a defensive wall called a... That was a minute in high school, long tail. <laughs> <laughs> so they lived in villages enclosed by a defensive wall called a palisade. So obviously walls work. Um, corn, beans, and squash was the common crop grown during the warm season. And then in winter, they lived off the excess and the stored crops. And then they were essentially hunting at that point for additional food sources. So whatever they could kill, they would then eat. The War of 1650s. So the Erie encroached on territory which other tribes considered theirs. So it was a turf war. So the Erie is a tribe. Yeah. Yeah. The, in 1651, they enraged the Eastern Neighbors, which was the Iroquois League, by accepting Huron refugees from villages that the Iroquois destroyed. So the Erie welcomed people that the Iroquois defeated. And although the Erie used poison-tipped arrows, they were at a disadvantage in an armed conflict with the Iroquois because they had firearms. So fun fact... Yes, Native Americans had firearms, and the reason being was because the the Chinamen in the 10th century originated firearms and black powder. Beginning in 1653, the Erie launched a preemptive attack on western tribes of the Iroquois and did well in the first year of five, but then things changed, people adapted, and then the Erie eventually lost. So coincidentally, in 1654, the entire Iroquois Confederacy went to war against the Erie and then all of their friends in neighboring tribes. So the neutral people and the tobacco people were also involved in this war. Everybody lost to the Iroquois. By the mid-1650s, the Erie had become a broken tribe, and eventually all remaining groups were absorbed by the Iroquois. So that leads us into why, when we were in school, we only learned about the Iroquois. It was because they were the ones that defeated everybody, and they were basically survival of the fittest, and they won. Yeah, they came out on top. Yeah. So the Iroquois Confederacy consisted of mostly the Mohawk, uh, Onondaga, Oneida, Cayuga, and Seneca tribes. And like you were saying, the neutral confederacy was there as well and consisted of tribes from southern Ontario. So they crossed what is now the border. Um, the the neutral confederacy was primarily in Canada from what I... Well, well can't cross that now. Canada. Border's closed. Yeah, until November 21st. Nailed it. Um, so the neutral confederacy consisted of the, uh, the tribes within the southern Ontario, the Wenro people, which doing, during my research... No idea about the Wenrow people. Have you ever heard about them? Why aren't they talked about? Dude, white people barely talk about things that we should talk about. True. The Wenrow people, I've like I've heard of Iroquois, I've heard of tobacco, I've heard of neutral confederacy, I've heard of the Seneca tribe, the Erie tribe. I've never heard of the Wenrow people. So what'd you find out? So the Wenrow people are the the tribe that occupied northern Buffalo. So kind of from like the the split line because we know the north like the north towns are garbage anyway but anyway so the <laughs> the northern part of buffalo went into like all the way up to ontario okay um or um, i'm sorry the uh the lake up there yeah it's yeah, ontario, ontario lake. lake jesus christ i'm dying over here all right so uh the wenro people populated the south shore of lake ontario in the east end of lake erie Be- and a bit of its southern shore they were the most likely a subgroup of the neutral confederacy, like we talked about. The neutral confederacy primarily was most of southern Ontario. And how the neutral confederacy kind of came into play was the French found the neutral confederacy um, really helpful in mediating the disputes with other tribes, specifically the Iroquois people, because when the French came over, they couldn't talk to the Iroquois people. The native language wasn't native. like Yeah, the Iroquois had their own... Uh, the Iroquois Nation had their own language. Yeah. So when the French came over, they needed someone to help bridge the gap, if you will, um, from the people across the pond. Yep. So, uh, and they didn't have pirates back then. Arr! Well, they did, but not in the area. So um, the neutral people were the people who were primarily responsible for bridging that gap between the French and the Iroquois. The neutral group consisted of the Wenro people and most native tribes in southern Ontario. In 1651, the Iroquois Confederacy declared war on the neutrals because they were helping the French. And by 1653, the Seneca tribe annihilated the neutrals, including the Wenro people. So the Wenro people was very short-lived. <laughs> they based, That's probably why we don't hear of them, because they're losers. No, I'm just kidding. They, uh, <laughs> they were uh, part of the neutral 
um, Confederacy, but then ended up being wiped out in 1653 during the uh, Seneca tribe annihilation. The Wenro region was then occupied by the Seneca tribe. So obviously once the Seneca tribe annihilated the Wenro people, they took over that area, which now included the Erie tribe all the way up to the middle of Buffalo. And then now Seneca from Buffalo all the way up to Lake Ontario. Interesting. So uh, Southern Buffalo. So I kind of broke this out by region to help everybody understand a little bit better. And I'm going to throw up a picture in the video as well so people can have a visual representation of what everything was. So in Southern Buffalo, 1653, the Erie tribe took survivors of the Huron, Neutral, Wenro, and Tobacco people with a tradition of adopting outsiders. So they took everybody that had basically their tribes decimated by all the wars and brought them into their Erie tribe or confederacy or what have you. So the Iroquois tribe demanded the Erie tribe to send neutrals to their tribe. Instead, they launched an attack on the League of the Iroquois, kicking off three years of desperate warfare that eventually shattered the Erie and bled Iroquois strength. A damaged Iroquois tribe found themselves in a new war with the Susquehannocks tribe, who lived right below the Allegheny Front in central Pennsylvania. Even though the Susquehannocks tribe wiped out two of five Iroquois people, the Susquehannocks tribe suffered a plague that wiped out 90% of their population and military capacity. And by 1672, the Iroquois became the last man standing in the wars. So the Iroquois basically won by default because a plague wiped out 90% of the Susquehannocks tribe. That's insane, dude. Did you... Yeah, that's... So by default, kind of going back to what you and I talked about, by default now the Erie is decimated. Erie tribe's gone. The Seneca tribe was absorbed by the Iroquois. And the Susquehannocks, which was the last tribe that was able to fight off Iroquois, died from the plague. So that whole region now is Iroquois. That's crazy. And then the Iroquois eventually absorbed all the survivors. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it just became one large tribe. Yeah. That's crazy. And then obviously, like we talked about earlier, the Iroquois consisted of different tribes itself. So they broke out into subsidiaries, if you will, Mm -hmm. going back to the beginning of the episode. Um but that's why we still have different regions within the Iroquois tribe, like the Seneca region, the um, Onondaga, Oneida, all those regions. But overall, the umbrella of all of it is Iroquois. So that's why you see Iroquois fences being put up all over the place. Just kidding. That's not relevant. But <laughs> That's crazy. Speaking of something that wiped out about 90%, um, fast forwarding to the War of 1812 when D.C. was burned down. Also, Buffalo is burned down in the same war. The interesting thing about what saved Washington, D.C. was not anyone fighting for the U.S. It was a hurricane that showed up when the Capitol was on fire, and it killed more of the British soldiers than the Americans did. So a natural disaster wiped out the rest of the British and forced them to retreat. Isn't that insane? Yeah. I mean, when's the last time... Like a tornado or hurricane hit DC, I could right. I couldn't even couldn't even come up with it. Yeah, that's insane. But so, yeah, so th- that is going to be kind of our first segment in analyzing the history of Buffalo. We started with the pre-colonization. Next week we are going to be talking about first Europeans, which we kind of touched on a little bit with the neutral people being the bridge. Uh, bridging the gap between the French and the, the Iroquois. Iroquois tribe. So uh, in that time frame was predominantly 1758 to 1793. So as we go through this, which is all going to go all the way up to episode eight, which is recovery, um, we're going to discuss everything that related to the establishment of the Buffalo area from a land and like, I guess people standpoint like people. Yeah, exactly. And how we grew to be called Buffalo um, so th- that's going to go all the way up to there, which is, it's going to be an interesting series. So let us know in the comments below again, if you liked what we talked about, if you didn't like it, if you're excited for the next series, which is, uh, the great people of Buffalo, uh, and you just want these eight episodes to be over with. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be something that you and I will be learning because I didn't pay attention in high school. I was too busy watching film. So yeah, I didn't No, yeah. got nothing. I don't even think this was discussed, though. I mean, they literally just talked about the the Native American way of life with log houses. I'm sorry, long houses. um, And then how they basically taught how to grow corn because that was the only thing that was being fertile with the land, especially on the coast. Do you think that 
schools would have a better chance of retaining some knowledge if they focus on local history other than U.S. history. We had a class called U.S. History. Same. But and I, I never crushed that course. I loved every aspect yeah. of it. Well, nothing happened before 1776 that I'm concerned of. But the if they did a class based off of local Buffalo history and this information, I probably would have paid attention a little bit more because to me as a kid, that is what I can directly see or feel or notice. Yeah, but we learned this when we were kids. I do not remember any of this information. You don't remember learning about Native Americans? Yeah, but across the U.S., not Buffalo specifically. That's what I'm saying. Like, if we had a class that was local history, where they talked about all this information and what Indians or Native Americans occupied the land, what the pre-colonization was, what Europeans came to this land for what reason, the beaver trade, I never learned about any of that. I'm and sure, if they would have focused on that, I probably would have paid attention a little bit more. I'm sure a teacher would love to do it, but they can't now because their hands are tied with Common Core. So they can't even teach what they want to teach, and teachers can't teach the way they should teach because the government told them you have to do this. It's so stupid. 100%. I would 1,000% love to hear about this. Yeah. I, I, I also mean, think, I'm not in school anymore, so... Yeah, and I can't go back in time, but I also think that it's teacher to teacher and district to district where, you know, you might get a a phenomenal teacher in one district, but you might not get that same phenomenal level of a different teacher in a different district. Yeah, it's just, just kind level, of, yeah. yeah, it could be careless. I mean, it's just, there's way too many variables. I'm not saying that one teacher is better than another or whatever. Like all education is extremely important. But what I am saying is who knows? I mean, there might be a teacher that tailored their curriculum to do just that, mm-hmm. where they just focused on what you see locally so that when you see Seneca Lake, it kind of makes sense. You know right. what I mean? But yeah. who knows? So, or- um, Skajakwita. What is that? Yeah. Like, what is that? And then the teacher can answer that question. You know, like, is that your way of deflecting because you don't know the answer to that oh, question? Oh, you're actually asking me? Yeah. I don't know if it's a tribe, if it's a region. What is Skajakwita? Skajakwita Creek. The name is derived from Philip Kinjot. What? Kinjakiti? From Philip Kinjakiti, a Native American described as the oldest resident of the region upon his death. That doesn't mean anything about Skajagwara. This information is coming from Wikipedia, so you know it's right. Um, Super accurate. Yeah. View Skajagwara Creek. The creek lends its name to the Skajagwara Expressway. I, okay, don't care. Um, we have to go back further than that before there were cars, man. Of course. Adam, not- there's nothing. We'll dive into it later. Geographic Names Information Systems, United States Geologic. Yeah, no. We're going to have to dive into that. What's interesting is that everybody from Buffalo can pronounce everything they see, but not everybody can also give you all the all the data and knowledge behind it and reasons and history. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the name, the name is derived from Philip Kinjockety. A Native American described as the oldest resident in the region upon his death in 1808. So I don't know if that's what his name was before he converted it to Kinjockety, because that doesn't sound like a native name to me, Philip Kinjockety. So maybe his name was Philip Skajakwita. I don't know. I'm just going to keep hypothesizing. We'll learn. So that was episode one. And obviously we had to start at the very beginning because that's what you do. So once we get into, I'm going to say, I'm going to say episode four is the turn. And then once we get into episode six and seven, that's where we get to dive into prominent people that directly impacted the city of Buffalo that a lot of people do know about. So that's going to be really good content. Yeah. So for the outline of the episodes coming up, obviously this was pre-colonization. Next we have first Europeans. Episode three is the founding of the 19th century. No, episode, founding and the 19th century. Founding and, obviously, you didn't find the 19th century, Derek, you <laughs> idiot. Episode four is solely on the Erie Canal, which is going to be very informative. It's basically Irish people got drunk, used dynamite, and then got paid in booze. Nailed it. All right, so basically what you and I do. All right, so episode five is railroads in the industry. Episode six is city of light. Episode seven is suburbanization, or suburbanization Jesus, and decline. And then episode eight is going to be the recovery period from 2010 to the present. So we're going to try to go through these in eight episodes. Um, Let us know if you're going to be along for the ride. Let us know what else you would like us to cover specifically in one of those episodes. And we'll do our best to do it. 
Mike, what interview do we have releasing with this episode? Mr. Garrett Thomas. I can't talk about it. You are so beside yourself. I, I don't even know what else to say with that. That's exactly what it was. I was beside myself. His business card, I wanted to leave. And then he pulled out like four more things. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm just, I'm done. Appreciate your time. Thank you. But uh, you're, you freaked me out. Like to my soul. Yeah. I, I don't even know if we planned it releasing with this episode, but it worked perfectly with Halloween. Yeah. So if you guys go back and watch it again, this whole week is a YouTube week. I don't care if you listen on Spotify any other week, but watch it on YouTube this week because with this interview that we have, or this episode that we have, you and I dressed like pirates. And then the interview that just released of Garrett, he performed magic during the actual interview, and it was just mind-blowing. It made no sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. It yeah. made no sense, but so it happened. So He's a close-up conversational mag- magician, which means he really mastered the sleight of hand magic which if you don't know or you've never even seen garrett it is magic that isn't supposed to make sense he when you think of magic you can mostly always explain it away because oh like the josh allen thing he had two cups did you see this video yeah when he was when zach moss came in he had two cups solo cups and there was a ball in one of them and then he would do this like slow switch and then he would ask Zach or somebody, whoever was in the crowd, to point to which cup had the ball under it. And then he lifted the cup and it wasn't there. He had two balls in each. And then everything, he just pinched it when uh, they picked it. So then when he lifted it up, it was the cup and the ball. It's pretty easy. Garrett is a magician that you can't explain anything that he's doing. You can even watch the video. We tried to not cut during that part, so you didn't think that we were messing with it. We had the three of us, like, right up on screen, and you can watch our reaction when we did it, or when he did the magic to us. And also, too, uh, to kind of go towards his process and just how you can't explain any of it away, Garrett was just on Penn & Teller last night, which is the 19th of October. And Penn & Teller is a magic show, which basically is uh, it fool us, so... A magician goes up on stage, performs magic, and then Penn and Teller are magicians, and they try to guess if they got it right or guess how they did the trick. Every person that I watched that went before Garrett, they guessed it. They guessed it. Like, oh, you have a camera at the bottom of your shoe. Like, that's not magic to me. That's just trying to fool somebody, which isn't fun. Garrett got up there. He did a ring trick, which if you've never seen his ring, it is insane. But he basically put the ring on his finger and then he was able to move the ring from one finger to the next finger. And Penn and Teller both, they cannot figure it out. It is true magic. It's I don't understand how somebody can be that talented and do what he did in front of our face. And what's sweet is that he graduated from DePue High School. Right. Like, he's, he's local as it gets. Yeah. And he's crushing it on the big stage. So definitely give him all your attention. You're going to want to do that anyways and it's very interesting to see how well he does and how he does it and it's just mind-blowing so garrett thank you again for all of your time greatly appreciate it um mad respect for everything you do i i couldn't do it um just because i don't have that amount of concentration to do it myself because your story is sensational where you're dyslexic you can't even read the magic books so you invented your own magic tricks because you wanted to perform magic and you're you're doing it in front of the masses and killing it so congrats to all your success all your future success and excellent job on everything you do yeah so thank you and he's also a writer for david blaine so that helps too yeah he invents tricks with david blaine they just like hang out and come up with magic tricks so no big deal and he was telling us on a trick they did for kanye yeah, he went to Madonna's house to perform magic at her house. I don't know. I was, I was nauseous awe. 97% of that interview, <laughs> so it's fine. So go back and listen to that interview. Uh, it was a great time. And go show Garrett some love on his Instagram and Facebook and everything uh, because he posts a lot of stuff on there. And he also has a YouTube channel where he explains some of it as well. So it's cool. But anyway, Mike, uh, do the plugs. Take us out. We're on episode 57. That's insane. 
episode 57 thank you for all your continued support if you don't follow us already we are buffalo happy hour 12 on instagram buffalo happy hour on facebook buffalo happy hour on youtube we appreciate any and all support please subscribe if you have not already it doesn't cost anything it is totally free it takes one second to click a button that says subscribe hit the bell for the notifications thank you again for everything we still have sweaters for sale as well if you're interested in buying a sweater portion of our proceeds are going right to the buffalo niagara Waterkeepers organization who cleans the shoreline for all of buffalo and um up into the north country of western new york so thank you for all of the people that have purchased a sweater from us already and we're looking forward to pumping out the rest of our inventory now so we can get ready for a next batch of merchandise which is going to come up after winter so thank you guys we appreciate all of it and derek this has been episode 57 i will see you next week for episode 58 mm-hmm. and for season two of our mini discussion section non segment mini series yeah i think that's what we're going with our segment mini series all right everybody thank you drink responsibly be a good person and we're out and don't litter nailed it As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.